on this episode of AV Week. We kick off 2017 with some business and sales advice from good friend Ian Altman. Ian is a best-selling author of his book, Same Side Selling. We'll be talking about how mergers and acquisitions can impact customers as well as employees and what are the one or two things you can do this month to impact your business. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Peerless AV. This is AV Week, episode 280, recorded Friday, January 6th, 2017. Selling AV. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Typically, we would we'd start out the new year with uh, a roundup of, of the news and everything, but I, I wanted to do something different, and uh, and my guest was gracious enough with his time to, to allow us to do so. His name is Ian Altman. If you were a, an attendee at the AV Executive Conference, you heard him speak. Uh, he's a best-selling author of this very book that I am a big fan of, Same Side Selling, right there. Uh, he's written for Forbes, Inc., has an own podcast called Grow My Revenue. Uh, he's a speaker. Uh, he's a sales consultant. He's just a very fantastic human being. Hello, sir. How are you? Fantastic human being. I thought you had me confused with somebody else, no. Tim. <laughs> You're a good guy. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. So here's here's the 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 whole point here, right? I I, I emailed Ian and, and again very gracious with with his time today. I said, look, I said, you're, uh, you, you've made an impact on, on me and, and how I run my business and, and do my sales. And not, not for nothing, but AV Nation is a media company. We have to do sales to, to make our ends meet and, and, and to, you know, to, for our revenue. And, and your book impacted me a lot. And, and I was introduced to, to, to it through the AV Executive Conference this year. You were a speaker there and, and um, talking about the experience economy and, and I'm not going to I am certainly not going to try to to bastardize your book but basically making sure you're helping people in your sales and if you can't help them you point them you know hopefully to somebody who can um it's not adversarial selling it's it's solving a puzzle I think is the, is the is the thing the uh, the example that you use and so I'm like you know what smart guy great in sales written for a bunch of folks has a, a podcast about growing your revenue let's talk about that as we start the year right yes tech is important and yes we'll get to that next week and yes all the mumbo jumbo and we're actually going to talk about some of the mergers and acquisitions that happened this year and how it's going to impact but let's focus on the business for a second let's pause here for half an hour and talk about how to grow our business for the year um, first and foremost, Ian, it, the business climate is, is I don't want to say it's changing, but it's going to go through some transformation, especially with the president-elect being a business person, right? Yeah. So as a business person, how do you get ready for this next year? Well, I, I think there's a few things. First, I think that we can often be kidding ourselves if we think that who gets elected president is going to have a material impact on our business. So whether whether you're a huge supporter, whether you're an opponent, and I say that because there's very few people in the middle, what I've seen on Facebook is that people are polarly 
uh, you know, have a, have a polar opinion one way or the other, it's one person is going to have such a dramatic impact on our businesses. Often it gets back to the same fundamentals, which is understanding very clearly what problems you solve for your customers so that when you communicate to them, you're speaking about things from their perspective, not your perspective. And what I find is that the top performing companies do that consistently. And the ones who struggle say, no, it's not important. And then they still struggle and they're kind of in that state of denial. And so the more you can describe things from your customer's perspective and what matters to them, the greater impact you can have. Okay. So that's a great point. That's a great idea. How do I do that? Right. Cause I, you know, if you, you can't read minds and I, I've told my wife for 12 years, I can't read minds. Um, how do you find your customer's perspective? Well, so part of it is going through an exercise. A, a good friend of mine, Bob London, coined this term, the elevator rant. And so we all know what an elevator pitch is. The elevator pitch is this notion of giving somebody your 15 to 20 minute spiel on what it is that you do. Okay. Now, I've done a lot of research on how executives especially make decisions. And the way they make decisions is first they ask, what problem does this, does this solve or why do I need it? And then they want to know what's the likely outcome or result if I make this investment. So if I understand that, then guess what? I need to start with what problem I solve for them. So what you want to think about is with your best clients, how would they describe the problem they were having that warranted a change to whatever it is that you sell? So someone didn't come to you and buy a huge monitor for a venue because they just felt like something that would be that size. There's a specific purpose they had in mind. Someone didn't switch from one live event company to another one because, well, I just felt like switching. Something probably happened that triggered that change. Yeah. They weren't getting the experience they wanted. They weren't driving the audience they wanted. And let's face it, there's nobody who's saying, oh, you know what, we're gonna put in this whole AV setup in our conference facility and we're going to get top of the line stuff because we really don't care if it gets messed up or not. No, they're going to spend the more money because, look, I can't have the risk of having my number one client show up in an event. And now we look like a bunch of idiots who don't know what they're doing. We don't look professional. So the elevator rant is what it would sound like in your customer's words that they would complain about that's worth solving. Okay, so you've got you've got the elevator rant, you've got the the, the problem figuring out the, the problem that you're trying to solve that they have. Going forward and in, in, into this year, and, and you're kind of right about the, about the the president not necessarily being a direct impact on on businesses, uh, but it is something people worry about, right? Sure. Any sort of upheaval. I mean, you you, you look at at Wall at Wall Street and the stock market. Any sort of of uncertainty uh, it certainly causes consternation in in business in general. Um, how then do you get your rank and file salespeople to buy into this? So if you're a business owner and, and you buy into this, how then do you get folks who have made their bread and butter for years not doing this, get them onto this program? Well, I often say that the best thing to do, there's, there's, there are a couple of things. One is kind of this immersion. You can immerse people into it. Um, so you can, you can do intensive training for a day. But guess what? If you do training and don't provide reinforcement, then don't do training at all because you're just going to waste money. In 60 days, people are going to be back to doing what they used to do. That's the, it's the ugly truth of, of most training is that if you don't provide reinforcement, then whatever you spend on training is going to be wasted. What I, what I encourage people to do is, look, pick two or three people 
who are open-minded and model this with them. And when everyone says, wow, those people are killing it. How come they're making so much money? Then it's easy to get buy-in from the rest of the people because they say, oh, this isn't just another harebrained idea someone has. This actually has some legs to it. It's actually going to work. It's actually going to generate results. I should probably buy into this too. I've got a, um, I've got a client of mine who their, their number one salesperson for years was reluctant to learning anything new. And the CEO brought me in to work with their team, you know, decent sized sales force. And there was a young guy who was, you know, not their bottom performer, but probably in the bottom half. Okay. And the guy just became, a, you know, an incredible student of this and really started mastering some of the skills and principles that we teach. And the year that he surpassed the top sales guy, so the top sales guy was no longer the top sales guy. That was the year the top sales guy said, hey, how can I pick up on some of this stuff? <laughs> and, that, and that's a great reinforcement, though. It really is. You know, yeah. you, you said model, you model, and, and you show folks, you know, how, kind of how it's done. Well, and the, and the interesting part of this was that as I was, as I was talking to the CEO, he says, well, this one guy, he, he doesn't want to sign on to this. So, so how do we force him to do it? I said, you don't. It's, it's like trying to force your kids to do something. It's it's a wasted effort. Focus on the people you can have an impact for. What I always say is, look, when I do a program for a company, I know that 100% of the people aren't going to get it. But if 40% of your team is 25% better, that's pretty damn good. And then if the other people start picking up on it, that's great. And guess what? You're also going to discover that some people maybe shouldn't be on that team. Hmm. And that's okay, too. So speaking of that, in any, in any any new program, whether it's yours or somebody else's, what is a, a good goal for buy-in and, and for uh, um, attri- not attrition, but, but for the folks to, to kind of jump on board? Um, you know what? It's, there's not really a hard and fast rule. It depends on the organization. So okay. if you have a highly engaged sales force already, and if you have a team, and by the way, when I say sales force, it might be people who don't even identify as, identify as being salespeople. So and one of the things I talked about at the audiovisual executive conference was this notion that your customers actually want to speak to subject matter experts more than they want traditional salespeople. So we need to make sure that we're always delivering industry value to the end customer and not just serving our own, our, our own interests and in trying to sell things. So if I've got highly engaged people, I'm probably going to have better than 80% engagement because they're already engaged, they're already active, actively learning. If I haven't invested over the years in building the skills of my team, then they're probably gonna perceive anything new as just a flash in the pan. Oh yeah, this'll pass, you know, two weeks from now we'll be onto something else, so I don't really need to focus on it. I'm always a big fan of, if, if I'm working with an organization and there isn't buy-in at the most senior level, I just won't work with them. Yeah. Because I know that it's going to be a wasted result. It's going to be a wasted effort. They're not going to see results. And for me, and this is something that I teach my clients to do also, if you are not confident that you can deliver results for that customer, you shouldn't be taking the job. Agreed. So don't do work for somebody if you can't deliver the results. So if I can see that they're already set up for failure, I'm not showing up because I don't want someone to pay me and not get results. If they're paying me, I want to make sure they can get results or it's not a good deal for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of, of the AV Executive Conference, you, you mentioned a second ago, you were one of the speakers. Um, if somebody didn't go, 
um, for whatever reason. And this is a little probably unfair because you were the speaker. But um, what is what was your biggest takeaway? What do you hope someone's biggest takeaway was uh, from that talk? Well, I mean, there. So the takeaway from my talk or from the overall conference? From, from your talk specifically, but yeah, it's sure the overall conference. Well, so the overall conference, my biggest takeaway as someone who, as a speaker, kind of got to observe it was the the beauty of people who on, you know, the following week and the prior week, those people are competitors. When they all come into the room together, everyone's trying to improve the industry overall. So there was there was very open and honest exchange of information and things about here are things that we can do to improve the overall industry and results for our customers. And that's not something you see at every event. So it was really refreshing to see people at a senior level come in and have really thoughtful conversations about what they should be doing differently in the industry. So from an industry perspective, I thought it was an incredibly well-run event. The feedback that I heard from people was uh, was certainly very positive, and I'm sure it's going to have a long run of success um, for future events. In terms of in my session, a lot of what I talk about is modernizing sales and marketing, meaning the way that we did things 10 years ago and even five years ago may not resonate with today's customers, and it's certainly not going to resonate with tomorrow's customers. And though in sales, we tend to plot out a very linear pattern for a sales process. If you ask a typical salesperson, what are the steps in the customer's process? You know, lay out the sales steps for me. They'll say, oh, well, we, we have them labeled. We have stage one to stage five. And stage one is, is initial interest. And stage two is qualification. And stage three, and they'll, oh, yeah. let, they'll lay out the steps. Unfortunately, if you asked your customers, they wouldn't label the same steps. Because your customer would say, yeah, well, it's not really linear. We don't really do step one to five. We kind of have this whole matrix of stuff all over the place. And it's your job as a salesperson to figure out where we are. Yeah. Well, what I try to do is cut through all that and say, okay, what do you really need to understand to be able to have a meeting with somebody and know whether it was a meaningful meeting or if it was just a nice interaction with somebody, the way you would describe a good date? And so there's a difference between, you know, when, when your typical salesperson goes out and meets with a client and someone says, how was the meeting? They say, oh, it was fantastic. Really, what made it great? Well, we were supposed to only meet for about 20 minutes. We ended up meeting for an hour and a half. And then we got along really well, and we've agreed to talk again next week, which is the same way you would describe a good date. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with is there a good fit for their business needs versus what we offer. And so we give people a whole matrix that's just four quadrants. And here's the information you want to collect in a meeting. You can do it in a, in a totally non-confrontational, non-adversarial way to find out if there's a good fit between what they're trying to do and what you offer. That makes sense. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to touch on is um, not just specifically in, in AV, although it, it did happen in AV a lot, was uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, I could probably spend the next half an hour going over which ones happened in, in AV. Um, but you had a number of, a couple, a number of them. You had the, not the interest, but the expansion of, of, uh, financial, uh, investment firms getting into the industry, uh, AVISPL, which is a, a very large, uh, organization in our industry was, was purchased by a, a, a investment firm. Uh, they went on to, to purchase another, uh, another shop. 
Uh, the biggest one, though, is, is is Samsung and Harman. Samsung purchasing Harman for for a, a few billion dollars. I, when stuff like this happens, Ian, talk for a second about how that impacts not just the employees because that's important, but also their customers. Okay. So the first thing, the, the, there's a couple things. I'm glad we start with the customer side because what I, what I'd love to do is talk first about how this impacts the customer, and then we can talk about how the sales organizations need to adapt when these things happen. So first, from the customer perspective, think about it. Well, this big investment banking firm just bought so-and-so. Yeah. So what are you thinking as the customer? You're thinking, well, are they going to still maintain the same level of support? Are they still going to have the same products? Are they going to commit the same to R&D? Are they going to increase all the prices? Are they no longer going to be responsive? Are they no longer going to be competitive? Are they going to be more responsive and more competitive? It's all these things that are going through your head as a customer. The smart businesses, what they'll do is say, hmm, here are all the questions that are going through our customers' minds. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to create an FAQ section that says, so we just did this, we just did this merger. And you're probably wondering things like this, 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 and that. Let me address those for you because like you mentioned before, when there's uncertainty, markets respond. You're trying to minimize uncertainty because guess what? Your competitor is going to say, oh, those guys are so distracted with this merger that they can't possibly service your needs. So we can't. Yeah. But what if you had an FAQ that said, well, gee, with this merger, is my support going to go down? Actually, we just invested X dollars. And as part of that, we're increasing our support staff by 27%. Because we want to make sure that when you call in, this happens and that happens. Well, now the customer says, wow, that merger was really good for us. But if you don't tell them, they're going to assume it's bad for them. So, the, so they're going to they're going to all automatically default to 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 the most pessimistic view of, of anything like that. Somebody will. Yeah. So so guess what? If you know, in, in a case of if you liked both of the companies that now merged, you go, oh, that's even better. Now it's under one roof. Yeah. But the person in your organization who was skeptical before, everything becomes magnified. So if you like them, you like them more. If you don't like them, you hate them even more. Right. So it kind of it kind of goes back and forth. If you so over communicating is the goal at that point that says, look, I want to think about all the things people could be concerned about and I want to address them in black and white on our website. I want to have a little video that summarizes it, whether it's video, text, audio, all the above. Um, you know, just make sure you share that information so that people get comfortable that says, wow, I, okay, I get it. Here's what, here's what this means for me. Cause they don't really care what it means for you. They just care what it means for them. And so we need to have that perspective. So, and I think, go ahead. so from a customer perspective, that's the big change. So you, you made a comment that you made a statement there. It, it, is there such a thing as over-communicating to a client? Um, theoretically, like, for example, if you start reading into things, well, and you might also be wondering, that product I bought 15 years ago that had a 20-year guarantee, like, look, that's, that's irrelevant, yeah. right? You want to think about, you want to communicate about the things that are the here and now and that are going to be top of mind. So if you're not hearing about it, you don't need to plant seeds as well. But what's this going to mean 50 years from now? Well, no one's thinking that but you. So you can just keep quiet on that. But in general, uh, let's do it this way. I haven't seen any companies over-communicate, but I've seen many under-communicate. Okay. All right. Then that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so we, we talked about but the customers now now for the the employees right and because yeah. here's the thing and you and touched about you touched on it a little bit uh, because they're going to be some of the ones answering some of those questions let's be frank yep. 
Um, whether they are friends in the industry or they just happen to be, you know, they're, they're the business contact. These are the folks, these are, these are the frontline folks who are going to carry the water for this merger or acquisition. So how do they handle that? Well, so there, there's there's two sides of it. So first is that communication we talked about to customers also needs to go to your team. Okay. So your team needs to know, look, here are the questions you're probably going to be asked. And here's the way we'd like you to answer those. And if you're not comfortable with any of these answers, please talk to your manager, let us know, because we want to make sure that you're 100% on board with these answers. Because if they're just reading the script, but they don't believe it, you and I are going to know it. But if they believe it, then it works. So for example, the company might say, well, and we're doubling down on service, we're going to provide better service. But if you don't see evidence of that as an employee, you're like, oh, they're just giving us lip service, I don't believe it. But if you had an opportunity to question it, You'd say, well, I'm not seeing any changes. What am I missing? And management says, oh, actually, we just opened up these two call centers. So not in your location, but these other two facilities, that's what we're doing. They're going to be on board over the next 45 days. Here's that we're going to be segmented to be most responsive. And they go, oh, that's a great story. And now when they talk to customers, they're enthusiastic. But it, the, the communication side, it's usually, okay, so should we communicate to our customers or should we communicate to our employees and then have our employees communicate to the customers? The answer is, Yes. So use all channels available to make sure that you're communicating a clear message. Now, why do most organizations go through a merger acquisition? Well, there's this, there's somebody sitting in an ivory tower somewhere that says, you know what? Right now we sell products X and Y, and these other guys sell products A, B, and C. And if we do an acquisition, then everybody who's selling X and Y will also sell A, B, and C. And everybody selling A, B, and C will also sell X and Y. And the reason why most mergers fail is because the organizations are not effective in cross-selling different products across the organization. So this is a little bit of a callback to the earlier part of our discussion. The reason why is that people understand what their products do, but they don't understand what symptoms to look for that necessitate that product or service. So if within each organization, you can effectively communicate, here are the problems that we solve. Here are the symptoms that customers would be having. That's an indicator. By the way, those of you selling A, B, and C, here are the indicators of why you would need X or Y. Here's the problem that A, B, and C solves. So you people on the X, Y side now know who to look for in that environment. So you can't just walk in and say, oh, well, so now we, um, now we offer screens too, or now we offer um, controls, control um, units. Yeah. Okay, you can't walk in and go, so uh, you guys need a control unit? I mean, that's not gonna work. But if you said, look, I noticed that you bought 17 of these monitors. Some of our clients tell us that it's complicated to control these. They wish you had a central place to do that. And we hadn't even mentioned it before. Um, how do you guys deal with that today? They go, oh man, yeah, I wish we had that. Oh, well, this this company we just merged with, they offer that. And I'm happy to bring someone in to talk to you about it. A subject matter expert who mm-hmm. can explain why you're going to need that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that right there is a, is a really great analogy specifically about, about the Samsung Harman deal because um, the, the, the running joke in the industry, especially the folks that, that have friends at Harman, is, uh, you know, you guys sell everything except for displays. Well... <laughs> Now, 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 and now they have access to displays, at least ostensibly. Um, so, all right, as, as we kind of wrap up here, um, you're sitting here at, at the first of the year. 
Uh, you're looking at your business. You're looking at your at your pro forma for the next eighteen months. You're looking at, at at the numbers for the next next year. What's what's one or two things that as a business person that that they can do that I can do to immediately impact you know change in in our business starting in this this new year. The biggest thing I would tell people to do is go deep rather than wide. What I mean is don't think about how could I do more, meaning a spread of things, but think instead, where can I have the greatest value in a specific industry, in a niche, in a certain type of application? Like for example, let's say that that you implement AV systems in an organization and you've done a lot of different industries I would pick the one that is the most complex that that generally people in your industry hate doing the most because it requires the most attention to detail. And if you've done those successfully, focus there because most of your competitors are going to be like, oh, it's a medical facility. That's a pain in the neck or, oh, it's a courtroom. It's a whatever it happens to be. Focus there and you'll see that when you double down on niche expertise, that your customers tend to respond. Because all of a sudden what happens is they say, oh, but there's a whole bunch of people who can do anything or anything to everybody. But these people are experts in this one area. So if I happen to have a need in that one area, those are the people I want to go with. And it sounds counterintuitive because you think, well, I want to grow, so I need to get my tentacles out there further. And the reality is when you go deep, you deliver that expertise. And when the customer wants a subject matter expert, you pass the test. All right, that makes sense, Mr. Ian Altman. Thank you so much. If you're if you're interested in in finding out more about Ian, he has a website, ianaltman.com. Also has a really great great podcast. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, for my, for more information about us and AV Nation, you can go by the website avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Uh, you'll find this program, a host of others. Uh, we're getting our our stuff and our gear and and our team ready for ISE. Uh, which is in Amsterdam uh, in about six weeks from now. So check it out, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.